Buddhist Geeks Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 223 Tuning In to the Truth of the Moment. We're joined again by Stephanie Nash, this time to explore the parallels between the disciplines of acting and meditation. This is part two of a two part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or monthly recurring donation by visiting BuddhistGeeks.com forward slash donate. Yeah, this last area of exploration, the thing I didn't mention in the beginning is that your main gig is actually as an actress and teaching uh-huh. actors, actresses, film directors. Uh-huh. And that's how you make... That's, that's how my you, straight job. That's your, that's your day job. That's how you make the move. It's opposite. Most actors have a straight job and then they try to be an actor. And I've been making my living as an actor for 30 years. Yeah. So what do you want to know about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think the thing that'd be interesting from the perspective of like Buddhist Geek's audience to yeah. explore, and also I'm interested in it myself, is from the outside, you know, when I look at acting, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm not even close to an expert. I, I know very little except from watching movies. But you watch movies, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know when it's a good performance or it isn't, right? I do. And, and, you and believe I, it or you don't. Right? And there's something really fascinating about the way that actors call forth these different mm-hmm. aspects of their own humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's really interesting and compelling. And I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about the connection between that amazing art mm-hmm. and then this art of sort of becoming aware of and familiar with these different aspects of our humanity, but from a different angle, it's kind of right. like seeing it or noticing it or observing it or experiencing Versus it. Versus expressing it. Expre- yeah, it's, it's, it's an it's, They seem on the outside like right. very different. And yet I can see how they're both concerned with Certain states of mind. Yes. Well, I would say at the center of doing either well is the truth. Good acting is when you're really tuning into the truth of the moment. And we all know when someone's lying to us. And we have certain politicians, my skin would call and go, that's a bad actor. Mm. (laughs) And when I'm talking to my actors, it's about having the courage like from the French word Kerhart, to really open up and drop down into the truth. And I think the meditation practice, mindfulness, or any, is about really kind of tapping down into the truth. And when you do, there is a greater resonance than you can have is this, ooh, I'm me and I'm, you know, this little ant going around doing my little work here. It's interesting because some of the techniques I work with with people in both of them, one, for example, is relaxation. You want to, in meditation, be relaxed yet alert. If the body's really tense, you need to allow a relaxation in the body's equanimity in the body where you can literally relax the body and can help the mind let go of thoughts. I often, when someone's got a huge emotion they're working with, I'll say, well, what's the tension in the body around it? Can we relax that tension in the body around it? I think of that tension in the body like a setting holding a jewel. That's the only analogy I have, and I know the connotation is a jewel is a 
positive thing we want, but let's just say the emotion is the jewel and the setting is that, you know, the jaw is clenched and I'm tight here. I have often worked with having people relax the physical body around the emotion so the emotion can flow like weather, like the weather it's meant to be, right? And it's the same process with acting. Good acting is allowing emotions to flow in and out. When an actor's trying to tighten up and create and press an emotion, I don't want to be there watching it. You know, it gets kind of masturbatory. (laughs) And it's about allowing the truth. You allow yourself to really think from the perspective of the character. And here's where we substitute. It's very much like the Vajrayana practice, actually, and I'll go to that in a second. But The good acting is when you're really thinking from the perspective of the character, you're trying to get something from someone else. What happens, you are so open to and honest, and your body is open in this relaxed way to it, that emotions surprise you, and they come up, and you don't know what emotion you're going to feel. And it might come up and get replaced in a second. Tears might get replaced in a second with rage. That's exciting acting. We're going to tune into that. Well, that's real. That's true. And so the relationship to emotions, which is a big part of acting, you see the similarity. It's about letting go and allowing the flow. The difference is the actor expresses it and the meditator watches it and allows it to pass and knows if you go into the aspect of impermanence or the teaching on impermanence, knowing that it is going to pass. And so that if someone comes up and yells at you in the car and says, you, whatever, you watch that arise and you let it pass before you act. You know it's going to pass. And I do that when I work with people with compulsive behavior. I work with eating because that's the, it's the most difficult. Abstinence isn't an option. <laughs> you have to change the relationship to it. So watching that arising and knowing it's going to pass and just hanging on till it goes down before you act is night and day in behavior. You know, in meditation, we're looking to not get stuck in emotions. And actors, you don't want to press them. The technique where the similarity is, I remember one time I was on a retreat with Shenzhen. I think this was the 30-day one where he, after two weeks, he'd done everything he'd ever done in a two-week retreat. And he said, okay, from here on now, you're just getting my brain dumped. And he just said, okay, today we're just going to do this. <laughs> he was doing things he would never be able to teach normally because he would have his other techniques he wanted to do. To this day, I think of that as my PhD was that training, because you're beginning it at the level of depth of awareness of a 10-day, you have three 10-day retreats in a row, you know, you're beginning one where you ended one. But I remember he came in and said, okay, here's Vajrayana practice. He said, you're replacing your visual sense, your image with that of the deity, and you're replacing your auditory chatter in your mind with a prayer or a mantra or whatever. You're replacing your physical movement with a mudra or if you're doing beads or whatever like catholicism has beads and you're replacing your sense of feel emotional feel in the body with awe or whatever different deities have different feelings you would feel and you were replacing that and then you get a sense that those are all your sense of you and you've just replaced it so it's not about hi i've just become the god it's about hey i'm not attached to this sense of i it can be replaced see and he said that and i thought Well, that's what we do in acting. I visualize I'm seeing an ocean out there and I'm visualizing, I might literally be visualizing a world around me or 
something like that. I'm, I'm hearing the inner dialogue of the character. I'm thinking the way the character thinks. I'm even moving my body the way the character would move. The feelings of the character, I've totally replaced who I am. So my first thought was, how come more actors aren't doing this? We got the muscles for it. And I did find, actually, when I did teach actors, they're unnatural. They just don't think to use those muscles in that way. It's very, very productive. But in terms of the replacing it with that, in Vajrayani said, ah, you replaced your sense of self, right? And then there's a freedom. Anybody who is pursuing an acting career for a love or passion of it has had this experience, and this is why they will wait tables forever. And they might have had this experience once. It's a magic high moment where suddenly they're there, they're present. It's a heightened concentration. They're on stage, they're aware of the audience, they're in the moment, but they feel that person, and it's this totally open but in-tune experience that is this high that is a high for weeks and months and years afterwards, and they struggle to get that again. My job as an acting teacher is to help help that be the norm, just like as a meditation teacher, to help it be the norm that you're not suffering and getting stuck and snagged on stuff. So they don't think of it as a spiritual experience, but yeah, <laughs> it is. That's is so that a helpful? No, it's totally helpful. And I, I was just, the thought that came to mind is I wonder from your experience, do any actors end up having deep spiritual insights or realizations without really being able to call them that? Yes. My initial experience before I wasn't doing anything spiritual was at a very intense month long. Shakespeare retreat with a woman who, when people later would describe Zen masters, I went, oh, like her, where she'd make you do these bizarre things in the moment, and she would insist that your body, your mind, your thoughts, your voice, and your emotions all had to be truthfully present in the same moment. She accepted no less. And you had to just allow these bizarre things to happen, and you had to do it in front of an audience like we rehearsed in front of an audience, you know, you just open yourself totally. And actors are always having, with her work especially, you have a meltdown. I mean, you see people sobbing because you're giving up who you thought you were all the time as an actor. You have to. I, I need to do that. And I, as a person, am not to where this character is. So you either don't do that character or you have to give up some way of doing something that you're stuck in or are holding on to. So you see actors grow and shift all the time. And my life had kind of crashed before that. And I was experimenting with different ways of doing stuff that was healing. And then I went to this month long coming into that. And that's where I had a shift that's nothing's ever been the same since. And I was hearing lightning bugs and feeling grass grow. And it was just like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I didn't know what it was. I knew it had to do with evolving as a person. I knew it was connected to this work. So I think it's always happening with actors. And she would always say, that teacher would always say, theater, theology, therapy, they all come from the same root. It's a place where God lives. And I talk in my teaching, it's on my website, I have a little article I wrote, the tuning fork, and I was an oboe player, so an oboe tunes to a tuning fork and the orchestra tunes to an oboe. You don't want an off-pitch oboe in an orchestra, let's just say, and that's why they do it. But if you took a tuning fork 
and you placed one in one end of a room, say a 440 tuning fork and a 440 vibrations per second, and you put another one in another end of a room, like say a gymnasium, and you ring one, the other one will ring sympathetically. I think the good acting is that, that when you truthfully put yourself in a place where you're willing to transform and give up and go quite public with a very private thing and truthfully be there, our tuning forks will resonate. And we've all had the experience as an audience of watching something where we forgot we were watching. We're experiencing something ourselves, and we may flash in our lives of similar experiences we've had. That's the magnet effect I talk about. But it's quite powerful. I think really gets to the power of what as human beings, how we can affect each other. And that's where I think as actors, rather than, I just want to be good and I want to be famous, what are you doing? What are you saying? When I work with film directors, what do you want the audience to feel? Why? What shift are they going to make that's going to help their lives? Like when I say that to film directors, they look at me and go, huh? I was just going to like crash cars and, you know, <laughs> you know. So I always kind of put in the, what's your purpose? I think a film director can have more power over shifting people than a politician or a corporation. And so that's a power I think you need to use with responsibility. Tuning into this shift as an acting teacher, as an actor, I believe it's a holy art of mm-hmm. opening yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? No, yeah. I went, I went a few places there, but no, I, no, it's beautiful. I came back. As you were describing the real depth of what it could be to be an actor, I was wondering what meditation practitioners could learn from that too. For instance, we sit on a cushion or we sit in a chair and we spend a lot of time silent, observing, witnessing, being aware in a kind of still way, stilling the body, stilling the mind. But then there's something I think that could be left out. And I've certainly experienced this myself where how do I take the freedom that comes from that Practically and actually life. express it? That is such a beautiful question. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's it. That is it. Um, When I first was doing the meditation retreats, I would watch this. I'd listen to people talk. I was sitting up by Shenzhen listening to everyone ask questions. So I knew what everyone's in. I knew what was going on inside everybody. And I'm watching them sit and do this work and I heard their shifts and their transitions and then they would get up and their bodies would go into like the shoulders would go up by the ears where it was in a kind of fearful tight held place which is what their body habit of doing was or the clenching at the gut or the you know the arms kind of pulled into the side and I'd see that that happen when they got up and I knew from a certain work I did as an actress, this was with a man named Lee Brewer at Yale who was part of a movement in the 60s with theater. He runs Mabu Minds now. But he, he had a way of working where he would make an actor put their body in a physical position to allow the emotion to come in. And he'd turn to me and say, so what, what position was your body in when you were 13? And I went, when I was 13? I don't know. 13, let me think. Oh, that would be what, sophomore in high school? Oh, okay. So I'd be at my locker, and back then was in the early 70s. So I had long hair that I was hiding. You know, I thought my face was too fat, you know. So I was holding my books at my locker and kind of hiding my face. And oh, Doug Van Fossen was going to walk down the hall. And, and I had this kind of way of holding my books and my hair down. And I just kind of put my body in that situation, and all those adolescent feelings just flooded up into me. And you can do the same as a kid, like sit and play like a kid like a four-year-old and go, hey, and 
swing your legs and, and you get that freedom. And so I learned that just moving the body can make the inside go. Just like earlier I talked about the tension around the emotion, just by letting the body's tension relax, it helps the emotion flow. Well, in the same way, a position of the body or habitual holding of the body can do that. So that's when I started teaching. I developed something just for that purpose called body unlocking. And I taught it at retreats for the purpose of helping bring what you got on the cushion into your life. And a lot of what we worked with, and I do it now. In fact, I did it. It's something I taught it against the stream. But the getting up from meditation... And I make that now part of the meditation. I'll say, okay, we're at the end of the meditation, and we've been sitting here a long time. You guys have done really good work, and I'm going to ring this bell, and you know you want to stretch, and you know what you want to stretch. But instead of waiting till the bell rings to, to stretch, we're going to make the stretch part of the meditation. So right now, very slowly, I want you to stretch whatever you need to stretch, but enjoy it. You're going to really tune into what needs to be stretched, and after you stretch, it feel. How does it feel better? And so I have a whole room of people doing this slow motion <laughs> stretching, and it's luxurious. And then when they're done, we, I do a little kind thought there and ring the bell. And everyone said, that's the best stretch I ever had. And so I work a lot with that transition from sitting to getting up. When that is handled mindfully, I think the benefit of the practice pours into your life more. You know, and I got this from Ruth Dennis. In fact, I have it on my wall in my bathroom over at my meditation studio. Can you feel your feet? Of course, it should be, can you feel your feet? <laughs> you know, it's just how it's, I hear it. Everyone says, you know, here I was in the bathroom. It says, can you feel your feet? And I went, yeah. And I use that for actors, too, in an audition. Because they're going, oh, what do they think? And I go, can you feel your feet? And it helps ground them in that moment. So I, I use the same things as you can hear interactively. That process of bringing it into the life. Now you can tell that the things I've brought up thus far have all been physical. I taught expressive movement at USC. I've done years of different physical work. So I'm, I'm very into that. You don't have to be into something physical to stretch your body and feel that. Everybody knows what a stretch is. And if I say stretch whatever you want to stretch, you're going to have something you want to stretch. So I like working with the body because it's quite grounding and, and it's not often to a concept. So I use that at first. And then I usually start um, after that saying, okay, when you walk out that gate, you have to think of something you tuned into in here that you're going to keep tuning into as you go to the car, put the key in the lock, turn the car, get in the car whether it was your breath, your feet, internal talk, whatever. I really work with that transition to help, help that flow bleed into their life more. So that's part of it. And then I also encourage clever little ways of in the day. I mean, I have people put post-it notes up just to remind, to tune into something. And, and that really does, the woman I talked about, the five-minute meditation, she doesn't sit for an hour a day like some other students, but she has incorporated this into her life maybe more than some people who sit an hour a day. But yeah, I'm, I'm very big on that. You know, the thing I say a lot is, I think I might have heard this from someone, so I don't know, you know, you're around long enough, you don't know where you got it. But we're not doing this to be good meditators, to being really good at, with our eyes closed. Oh man, I am so good with my eyes closed. <laughs> the things I can do sitting still with my eyes closed. It's about your life being better and how you're interacting. And is there pure land around you? Does everyone you interact with feel like they just had a retreat? 
you know, and they don't know why, good. Let that be norm. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.